Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the seventh Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 19th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we're in this really cool season. This week especially, we are building off of what we talked about last week, where last week we talked about the sower and the seed or the sower and the soil, kind of how I discussed it a little bit last week. And this week we kind of get to build upon that idea, which is really fun. And we're really getting the really dig into the meat and teeth and really go into Matthew's gospel here and start getting into some of these parables. And that's always exciting. It's an exciting time of year just in general. We're having comets that are visible. And if you haven't, go out and make sure that you're spending some time outside to see this comet. It's just outside to the northwest and it's outside the Big Dipper. It's being seen here for the next week or so. And it's the first time in the next 7,000 years that we'll be able to see it. So Spend some time, enjoy it. I'll attach links down below talking about it. It's just a unique thing, and it's just such a great time for us to, again, be in this moment where we're being able to observe something so much bigger and greater than ourselves and understanding in a way how small we really are in this world, how minute and in a lot of ways we feel unimportant, but yet God tells us that we're so important. And I think that's a big thing to be contemplating and trying to figure out right now in this world that's so weird. We all can, I think, acknowledge this, that this is kind of a weird time capsule that we're suddenly in that this is not how we expect the world to be totally moving forward, but it's always not going to quite be what it was behind us. And so we're kind of in this weird in-between stage. It's like we've entered being a teenager all over again, and it just makes things awkward and weird. But we're working through it, and we're getting through it, and remembering that God still loves us is a major part of this that's helpful for us as we continue to move forward. So the Twitter question that we had last week was, how well are you checking the soil below you? How well are you making sure that you are attending to the soils of others around you? And kind of a deep personal question. And we got that answers this week discussing, talking about how looking at the prayer life and different spiritual practices that people are doing, but also recognizing how there are certain things that within their own soil that they're feeling, a lot of them being isolation, as we are still trying to be somewhat socially distant from each other, and also making sure that we're continuing to pray for others is a major part of how they're continuing to pour into that other person's soil. And I think that's a key part of this. But I also heard a really interesting story this week that I think is really applies well into this. So the story goes that there's a father with two sons. And one of the sons thought the father was extremely wise, just really admired his father and thought that this guy was such a wise father. The second son didn't think so and thought he would put his father to the test and really see how wise is my father. So he comes to his father and his hands are cupped so they're on top of each other like a child holding something in. And he comes to his father and says, Father, in my hands is a baby bird. Is it alive or dead? The father sitting there realizes that if he says alive, 
the sun will just crush it and show that it is a dead bird. If he says dead, the sun will open his hands and just realize that the bird is alive, and both scenarios going to point out how unwise he is. The father responds instead with the answer of, it's in your hands. And isn't that kind of what we find with last week? But I think we'll also find it with this week to an extent too. That our own soil makeup and what we're surrounding ourselves with, but also being aware of what is going on around us is somewhat up to us. And are we going to continue to help other soils while continuing to make sure and maintain our soils? Or are we just going to be purely concerned about us and thus putting us in this position of only worried if we can prove the father wrong? And I think it kind of leads into this as we continue this small gardening series of the podcast. But before we get into that, I want to start this week with the first reading, and we'll do what we did last week and get end on the gospel text. So the first reading is out of Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 8. Really cool little text here, but it's this chanting and coming from, as Ralph Jacobson would say in Working Preacher, kind of second Isaiah, and that's becoming from a priest proclaiming the word through the priest of the question coming from verse 7, Who is like me? Let them proclaim it. Let them declare and set it forth before me. And this challenge of there is essentially no one like me and no one can be like me. So this whole idea of stay in your lane. Let God be God and I have called you to other things, but you are not God. And that includes me too. All of us are not God and we have to let God be God. And I think it's a great little reminder and especially with this week's text, we'll kind of see that a little bit more. The alternative first reading this week is out of Genesis chapter 28 verses 10 through 19a. So this is a little bit further on in the Jacob and Esau story. Jacob now does not only have the birthright, but has also kind of sneakily gotten the blessing. And this has upset Esau, so he runs. And he then is out in this place. And while there, he's dreaming and he's having these close experiences with God. And so when he wakes up, he decides to honor this place. And so he calls the place Bethel, essentially roughly translated as this coming from the end of verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This idea of not knowing that God is beyond this. And it's kind of coincidental because Bethel becomes a place that they kind of try building up and saying that God is in this place. But we realize that God is more than just that place. But I think this is also a really cool text we're having right now, especially as we're going through this weird time. And this is something I want to make sure we think about a little bit is with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, where have you found God that you didn't expect it? Jacob finds God in this place and names it Bethel. 
but as he had run to escape and is kind of considered out of or on the outskirts of the promised land, God is still there. And I think in this time, it's really good to reflect on and thinking about where are we finding God unexpectedly? And just like Jacob, realizing that God is everywhere that we need him to be. The psalm this week is Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17. This is a key psalm, I feel, this week when we get back to the gospel text. But it's this pouring out of whoever wrote this psalm of how they want to have the heart like God and realizing all these different things that they're going to have to be able to do and showing love in these different ways, being merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and being gracious and the strength to be a servant, a child of God. It's this really awesome cry this week of really wanting to be the best of who God is wanting us to be. And I think it's a great psalm to be kind of reflecting on that. And you'll see how that ties so beautifully into the gospel this week. The second reading is from Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 25. Again, we're continuing on on Paul discussing how the flesh holds us back. But in that, it's also the recognition that this is something that we are going to continue to try to strive to work on. And it's the love of Christ that penetrates through. And it's one of the few times that Paul really starts talking about it in the sense of creation also. That creation is longing for this. And I really enjoy this because it's Paul really bringing all of us, creation included, into this text and saying that we're all in this together. But it ends it in a really nice way this week. That for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? For we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. This idea that God is coming and we can't fully see it. And that's okay. We have to have the faith, the trust that God is still working with us to deliver us through this, through our sin, through the debt that we cannot repay. That it's through that we are able to make steps forward. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. I feel this is such a continuation from last week because now we have a parable of this farmer who plants wheat. And in the middle of the night, these people, enemies, come in and plant weeds right beside them. His farmhands come to him and ask, should we uproot these weeds? And the farmer says, no, because there's the potential that you're going to damage the wheat. And it gets then into how Jesus starts explaining this and starts talking about how the evil one plants these weeds alongside, but that we are not the ones who is even harvesting the wheat. It's the angels who will come to collect the wheat and also to get rid of the weeds and burn them. And so it's this text on talking about the love that we are 
meant to do, but we're not the judge on who is wheat and who is weeds. And so it's this really cool text, and it's built so beautifully off of last week's text when we were talking about the seed and the soil. So before we jump into how this ties to faith and science, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. Being able to listen to their Sermon Brainways podcast, having four different seminary professors, along with having multiple different commentaries from multiple different years to give me multiple different perspectives on how to bring this podcast to you each week from these different theologians. If you have not checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it because I would not be able to bring you this podcast on a week-to-week basis without them. Where do we start with this text? There's so much to get into. But it's this beautiful text of talking about how we cannot be the judge and that we are called to love because we are not the ones who are deciding who is the wheat and who is the weeds. And I'm glad that I don't have to make the decision because I know that my human flesh, like what Paul has been talking about in Romans for weeks, is terrible at this. I'm terrible at making decisions on what is good and what is bad, purely, because even within my own heart, there is wheat and weeds when I really sit there and honestly evaluate my own self, and that's the stuff that I recognize. You see, throughout human history, we have been bad at this. I'll give you a couple examples this week where we are really, truly, honestly bad at this. Let's start with a man called Stephen Sasson. Stephen Sasson, right out of college, went to work for Eastman Kodak, a massive company in 1975. And we are looking at this company, and most of people who are 25 to 30 and older know that Kodak was massive. But if we're under that age threshold, there's a lot of people who question and might not even know who Kodak is. Why is that? Part of it comes from Steve Sasson. Steve Sasson was assigned to essentially build the first digital camera and has patents for Kodak for the first digital camera, which put out a resolution of 0.01 megapixels huge photos. But it was revolutionary at that point. What did the bigwigs at Kodak say in 1975 when this was presented to them? Well, that's cute. Tell no one about this. Why would Kodak say that? Why this innovative company of Kodak, who throughout photography history at this point had been one of the main players to continue to push innovation? Why? Kodak had 90% of film processing at that point. 90% of the market went through Kodak for film processing. So they didn't want to cannibalize themselves. So they set it aside. By the time that Kodak got back into the digital camera realm, it was the early 90s and there were already multiple companies that were involved in this revolution. 
Kodak made a couple other major stumbling blocks along the way, which forced them to essentially become nothing like the company that they were. Technically, Kodak is still around today, but it's not nearly the company it once was. I'll attach some links going into the history of Kodak below, but this one decision, I think in a great way, shows how we are terrible at being able to understand the wheat and the weeds. Because if Kodak had made the opposite decision and continued to pour resources into digital cameras, realizing that that was maybe the next wave of where they were going, who knows what Kodak is today. Instead, they got concerned about it cannibalizing their own sales, making them a less valuable company, and hurting themselves, seeing it as a weed as it could have very potentially been wheat. I'll give you another example. Who has heard of the biology experiment of Biosphere 2? Biosphere 2 happened in the early 90s, and it was this huge innovative project to try to, here on Earth, create another biosphere, to essentially do a testing here on Earth on whether we could build another mini-globe so that when we inhabit potentially future other planets, we could create this small biosphere for people to live in. This happened and is located, and it's still open today, in Tucson, Arizona. And it's currently owned by the University of Arizona. But one of the things that I want to bring up about this experiment, and there's a lot of details and stuff, and then a lot going into the history. Again, I'll attach some links down below talking about that. But one of the things was trees struggled in Biosphere. Now, Biosphere was this big glass container, essentially, and they were breaking it into these different zones to try to mimic the different ecosystems within the world. And they even had different plant life and organisms in there to try to help and along with humans. And, and there were good things that came out of it, good research that came out of it. And honestly, it's still this huge research facility now. And it's utilized in a much different way. And it's really the only facility like it in the whole world, that there's a lot of interesting studies that go through there wasn't quite the initial success that they were planning on, but I digress. One of the issues that they ran into, especially in the rainforest biome, was trees getting big enough that they uprooted themselves. And the reason that they would uproot themselves is as the tree grew up, the trunk never got strong. And so it'd get too tall, the weight would get to be too much, and it would lean over and cause the tree to kind of uproot itself. Thus, even the wood itself, the quality of the wood was kind of, eh, it wasn't really that good, especially even for if you were going to use it for some type of woodworking. What we figured out was the problem was the lack of wind. Wind causes stress on trees. And that process of watching a tree bend in the wind. And we've all seen it, how young trees can almost be flat on the ground at certain points and then pop right back up. But then we realize as they mature, they're not able to do that. See, here is this thing that causes stress, but it builds the plant also. And wind can be the demise of a tree at the end of its life. 
but it's also the reason that it has strength to begin with. When I look at this text, the concern that the farmer has with pulling the weeds is damaging the wheat. But is it also saying at the same time that the stress that the weeds may cause may make the wheat stronger? Think about these different times in your own life where when things get hard and when you come through them, how because it wasn't easy, it becomes monumental in our own lives. Faith needs to be that way. Faith isn't supposed to be this cakewalk. We are supposed to be challenged to continue to force ourselves to grow. The final part of this gospel, too, that's so important is we're not the ones who are deciding who the weed and the wheat is, like we talked about with relating it back to Kodak. We, then, are called to love. Hence why I feel that the psalm this week is so important because it's this cry of, if I can't be the judge, then let me be transformed so that I am a lover, that I can see and make God a reality in my life, that be like Jacob, that when I am running and that God is right there with me, helping me realize that God is with me and the realization that I am not the judge. I am not in that role. I am the one who is supposed to love and thus I have to let God be God like is stated in Isaiah. We as humans struggle with that. We really struggle. We like making divisions. We like making lines. We like having the idea that we know what's coming next. We like making these types of decisions. We like making assumptions. We like being the judge. The scary part about that is that we are not called to be that. We are called to love. We are called to be there, to be the innovators, to continue to push things forward in our love. When we are creating the new invention and not seeing it purely as what it could do to damage what has happened, but embrace it and help us realize a potential new future. If that tree never has wind, the tree is never strong enough for birds to lay their nests in. It's never strong enough to have its own fruit to have additional trees grow. If there isn't ever the stress of trying to figure out the next potential product and movement forward in a tech company, the tech company will die. It's one of the reasons that Kodak gets considered this company that faded away because it didn't continue to innovate. It stagnated. Our faith needs to be the same way. And to do that, we have to love. We are not called to judge. We are called to help each other along the way, be nutrients, but we aren't called to be the ones to draw the line in the sand. We aren't the ones who are supposed to be there grabbing that out of their lives. We struggle with God even doing that with us. Why do we feel that we can do that for other people? We have to let God be God and us be lovers of others around us. And I would argue to take in creation like Paul brings up at the end of the Romans text this week, that we are hoping for what we cannot see, but we need to wait with patience, realizing that it is coming. 
and anticipating it. It's a hard place to be. But it all comes back to this idea that Jacob had out in the wilderness. God is wherever we are. Where have we suddenly found God that we haven't expected to see him? So the Twitter question this week will be twofold. One, where have you found God that you didn't expect to see him over the last few months? And how has that changed you in loving others? I know for me, church and working in a church, this has been a really weird time to be in the church, especially being a youth director when at times I'm having trouble connecting with my own kids. But yet, I have to continue to try to love on them from afar, continue to try to be there as much as I can be in this weird way that I can, and continue to try being an active part of this congregation as a whole in this weird time. Brothers and sisters, this is a time, like I've stated before, of great opportunity for the church, for us to shed these old identities, for us to be able to move forward in love and caring and be able to be the church of who God has called us to be. But in that, we can't be judging each other. We have to encourage each other and try walking in love, maybe offering encouragement, but realizing that we are not the judge in how this is all going on. I know for my part, there's definitely things that go on that I don't agree with, but I have to trust that God is in that and continue to love them, not just cast them aside. Brothers and sisters, this is the same thing. And as we decide to cast aside where maybe the church is moving, be it young people telling different things or that we have different minority groups coming in and talking about different issues of things that we need to look at and address within the church and within society, or whether it's the next thing that causes some type of quaking inside of us. We are not called to fear. We are called to love. We are called to listen, and we are called to be there to walk along side. That's where prayer and working with God to understand where is he wanting us to be comes in. Hence, why we aren't the judge and why we have to try working with God to walk among these fields of wheat and weeds and be able to understand how we can still nurture all of it. It's hard work, but We know that it's going to continue to build character and that the harvest will still be plentiful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, I challenge you also this week to find ways to love people in ways you haven't before. It's hard, it's challenging in a pandemic, but it's necessary for all of us and for our faith. So, We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.